Hi, I'm Alex Zavala. Welcome to Hannah Hole's NICU Dad Discussions, a podcast produced exclusively for NICU dads. I'm a NICU dad to two preemie girls, Mia, born at 30 weeks, and Emerson, born at 27 weeks. Combined, my wife Jen and I spent more than 100 days in the NICU. After my last NICU experience, I started a blog called thenicudad.com. I did this to create a safe place for NICU dads to support each other, share their stories, and get much needed information. In this podcast, we will cover many topics that NICU parents face, but from the NICU dad's perspective, such as premature birth, bereavement, PTSD, and many others. These dads who you'll hear share their stories in hope of letting other NICU dads know that they're not alone. For most, the NICU journey doesn't end after we bring our babies home. Some NICU babies need continued therapies, surgeries, and multiple doctor visits. This continued medical care can be just as stressful as being in the NICU. Joining me today to talk about this is Jonathan Hayhurst. He and his wife, Jennifer, have a four-year-old daughter, Evie, who was born at 25 weeks. She weighed one pound, 13 ounces, and spent 130 days in the NICU. Jonathan, known to most as Coach Hayhurst, was a three-year letterman at Oklahoma State University as an offensive lineman. He was named to the academic All-Big 12 team. During his tenure at OSU, he appeared in the 2002 Houston Bowl and 2004 Cotton Bowl. He started a lengthy coaching career in 2004 and is currently the offensive coordinator at Rouse High School. I want to welcome everybody today to the NICU Dad Discussions. Uh, today we are here with Jonathan Hayhurst, and uh, he is going to share his story with you today uh, about their daughter, Evie. And Jonathan, we'd like to thank you for coming in today. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. But um, if you want, we can just get right in on it. Um, if you'll just share your story with us, um, what you guys experienced. For sure. I guess start at the beginning be the best place to go we uh, give you a little bit of background uh, my wife Jennifer and I uh, we tried for quite a while to have uh, have some kids a couple of years and uh, were unsuccessful and uh, didn't really know why we didn't do any testing we just it just wasn't happening and so uh, my wife at the time worked for uh, a nonprofit that helped out foster kids and so uh, well, we were gonna adopt because we were kind of in that world and tons of uh, a need there and so we started that process, and uh, once we started that process, we found out we were pregnant. And we're like, wow, okay, well, people <laughs> say that happens, and we were one of those. Um, went, uh, started pretty normal pregnancy, you know, nothing, no high risk, nothing that uh, gave us any indication that there would be any problems down the line. Um, we uh, had a trip planned to Mexico and ended up changing that to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where it was cold, so no bathing suits. Um, and uh, that was great. Uh, my wife was during the tired, or was in that kind of tired portion of her pregnancies, so I got to watch every single bowl game. So I was very <laughs> nice. happy about that. Uh, being a football coach, that was that was nice. Uh, so we get uh, get back in that spring. Uh, we decided it was time that we'd purchase a house, and you know, we'd started looking uh, a little bit before Christmas break. And uh, through the spring, ended up buying a house, and man, it just seemed like all these pieces were were just starting to come together. And uh, you know, going to raise you know this child in you know in a house, not have to be in an apartment or anything like that. And uh, so we uh, we finally we closed on the house, and uh, we were going to do a little bit of remodeling. So we were kind of in that remodeling phase, and 
my wife is um, fashion. Very, I don't know if fashionista is the right word. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the master closet I was redoing, uh, doing a kind of crib style, wood floor, track lighting. Oh, nice. Yeah, all this good <laughs> stuff. And so I was up working on it, you know, off and on. Uh, uh, once I get, get out of school, athletic appeared to be over and, and uh, drive up and uh, work on the house. And I remember one night Jen called me. And she was like, hey, I don't feel right. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I'll, you know, I'll be home in a little bit. And so I come home and... Uh, she just, she's like, oh, I just, I just don't feel right. And uh, I was like, okay. And she had, uh, she had mentioned she had had a little bit of spotting. And uh, so she called her OB and uh, had an appointment that next morning was going to go see her. Uh, and looking back now, I remember that night we have two chihuahuas and they're, you know, they're always cuddly and hanging around, but that night they were laying on her belly, oh, wow. which is something they don't generally do. How far along was she? She was uh, 25 weeks. Well, it had been 20, like 24 and 5, 24 and 6 at this time. And so, so the next morning, so I get up early, go to work like always. And she's got her appointment and, you know, it's fair to be routine. They check her out and everything will be good. And uh, honestly, I didn't really think about it much that morning. So end up going to, end up going to work. And uh, Jen goes to her appointment and I get a call say around probably about 9 45 10 o'clock in the morning and uh um, with my job being a coach i have a head football coach i have some some freedoms so um phone rang looked at it answered it and it was my wife and she said uh, uh said i'm in labor they're taking me to uh lakeway regional i said okay i'm on my way and uh I walked out of the class I was in, um, checking on students, and walked right to my office, grabbed my bag, walked to my car, and left. I realized as I was driving, I didn't tell anybody I left. <laughs> so, so see, I sent a couple quick texts to, uh, to coaches, and then uh, finally got to the um, – actually, I take it back at the time. I didn't know she was going to the hospital, so I actually went to the OB, his office, which was just right across the street. And uh, so I walk in, and I was like, hey, I'm – Jonathan Harris looking, you know, for my wife. And there's about three or four ladies sitting in the, uh, in the waiting room. And, uh, so the, you know, the lady behind the, the counter, the receptionist, uh, she's like, okay, um, let me see what I can find. Who, who's your wife again? I'm like Jennifer Harris. She's like, ah, I don't know. And I'm like, she just came in. I think she's in labor. And immediately her face turns ghost white. And she goes, yes, she's over there and points to the hospital. And you know, in hindsight, I'm thinking we could have hid that a little better because <laughs> <laughs> this means it's not good. Um, and so uh, I end up heading or ending up, you know, I'm kind of like, OK. And as I'm walking out, I see the faces of all the other ladies sitting in there. You know, they're just like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so head out, go over to the hospital and uh, took forever because I guess she had just got admitted she wasn't in the system. And so they couldn't find her, couldn't find her. So I don't know how much time elapsed, but finally got up to where she was uh, in L&D. And uh, there was just this, there, there, she was in the room, and it was, I remember being in a very large room. And so I walk in and uh, walk up to my wife. I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on? And so mind you, as a side note, I didn't know anything about premature birth, preterm labor. You know, like most people, until you experience it, you don't know much about it. Um, and I'd actually worked with Marcha Dimes through a, a, when I was coaching at Wilmington College up in Ohio. And we did a few-year fundraiser because our head coach had had a premium and all this stuff. But 
you know, to me, it was just this event yeah. we did. That was it. Yeah. So <laughs> I never really, I mean, I saw the pictures, but yeah. didn't have any, anything. So I'm kind of like, okay, you know, babe, what's going on? And then she goes, well, the baby's going to come and they're going to put it in that thing. And talking about, the, I guess, the isolate or whatever mm-hmm. they had in the room. They're going to put it in that. And then they're going to maybe fly it downtown. And I said, okay. All right. And at this point, I was still kind of in that in that shock moment, and uh, and my wife was holding it together pretty well, or at least, and she's good at that. She was uh, or appeared to be, and uh, and then I kind of look over, look at the the isolate, you know, and all the stuff. Look back at her, and it kind of dawns on me: wait a minute, your baby's not supposed to be born till July, the end of July, and it's April. Like this can't be good. And then all of a sudden, poof, waterworks. And, uh, you know, Jen's grabbing my hand trying to console me. Yeah. <laughs> she's, the, she's the one going through labor. So uh, so I'm like, okay, okay. So I'm wiping my eyes. I'm like, i got to figure this out. And uh, about that time, uh, they come in to give her the magnesium, mm-hmm. which immediately all over the floor, you know, uh, vomits like most people, all this stuff. And, of course, you know, watching your wife, you know, be in any kind of pain is not, uh, uh, isn't, isn't very good. And so I'm like, all right. So the... Uh, the one, uh, I don't know, one of the nurses or doctors there, I can't remember, was like, hey, it's okay, you know, we've got everything. Uh, and then her OB um, had said, uh, no, we, the helicopter's on its way, you're you're going to St. David's downtown, you're not gonna have this baby here. And uh, and so, okay, you know, uh, sounds good to us. You know, we didn't we didn't know about level one, level three, Nikki's yeah, level, yeah. all the leveling stuff. And so then, so we're just kind of doing the waiting game, and then all of a sudden, uh, these people come in in flight suits and it was uh, it's kind of indescribable like the um, the regimen and the discipline that they had when they came in so I remember um, remember they come in and it was a colonel ex-colonel I cannot remember his name um, who was actually uh, was the pilot and then uh, I, can't, I don't want to say Janice was the other lady's name and so uh, so they come in and they're they're doing all their stuff they're getting you know coming and the one lady comes to me with all these forms to sign you know and so I mean, of course obviously at that point you're just just scribble my name anywhere and so i remember and my thing is i'm you know i try to be a funny guy take things in stride i'm all very positive guy so i always try to joke you know especially when there's bad things going on yeah. and get through it and i remember the uh, uh the nurse asked me she said uh she said okay she goes you're gonna follow us there right and i said you guys are in a helicopter, right? And she goes, yes. I said, probably not. <laughs> and she looked at me like, okay, well, you're kind of an idiot right now. So, <laughs> But uh, anyway, we signed all the papers, and, uh, man, they had her. I remember when they walked in, the one thing that made it is they said, we are leaving here in nine minutes. And I kid you not, they probably left there in six. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they were get, I mean, they were just pulling wires, getting everything, setting Jen up, talking, signing the papers. And then I remember we're pulling out, and my wife goes, I think this is their pillow. And I remember one of the ladies, we're keeping the pillow. Let's go. So, so that happens. So then I'm kind of like, all right, well, I've, uh, I've got to get downtown and I get down to St. David's. We're out in Lakeway, which is, what did you say, about 30 minutes away with no traffic? Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, so the hill country, or verge of the hill country all the way to downtown Austin. So then, so I'm walking out of the hospital and, uh, uh, and get in my car out of the parking garage and I pull out and I see the, the uh, star flight about to, about to take off. And I'm like, man, my wife is, you know, I don't know if she'll want a picture of this, but this is 
you know, cool in the essence of, you know, she's, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. So I snap a picture of the helicopter. So anyway, that, we'll come back to that. So I get in my car, so I'm about to leave, and uh, and I knew, you know, my wife is um, likes her work, enjoys her work, and uh, obviously she's very well connected with all of her friends, family, and all those things. So I knew that the one thing that was going to keep her sane was being able to be connected, and that was her cell phone. So I stopped at the apartment uh, to grab her cell phone charger. So I was like, okay, that's the one thing I know she needs. Didn't grab anything else. Um, so I go in the apartment, grab her charger, you know, tell the dogs we'll be back. And they, like, they know something's up. Um, and uh, I remember at that time, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, raised Southern Baptist. You know, now I'm just, you know, I think I'm just a generic Christian. Uh, and I remember, yeah, I remember falling on my knees and, and definitely praying at that time. And, uh, and I, I mean, I pray, you know, every night with my daughter now before I go to bed, pray all the time. But that was one of the first times I fell to my knees in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, gather myself back, get the charger, driving down to uh, downtown Austin and uh, get in the parking garage, get in, try to finally, you know, find her. She's up in L&D. Um, and so we you know, get back to labor and delivery. And we, at this point we had, oh, I'd called my mom on the way. And then, uh, I think her sister knew, but we didn't tell her mom because we wanted her mom just to come to the hospital because she was having something. We didn't want to tell her exactly what was going on. Yeah. So yeah, cause we knew she would drive a hundred thousand miles to get there an hour to get there. And, uh, so get into, get back in L and D and, you know, they've got the little heart, heart rate monitor strapped to her belly and, uh, doing all those things. And, um, and at that point we're just, you know, we're just kind of waiting, kind of sitting. Um, and, uh, and we didn't know it at the time, but we were in the very back of labor and delivery. They told us it's because where the elevator was for where, uh, you know, the, the medical helicopter had dropped. And we found out later that they put you in the back cause there's a chance, you know, yeah, your baby may not survive. Um, and so yeah, we were way, way in the battle. We were really, really far from the coffee. And, uh, yeah, yeah that, was, that was important. <laughs> so that night, um, the uh, one of the uh, nurses comes in and, you know, basically gives us, I won't say all the statistics, but just kind of gives us all the, like, here's, here's what, you know, can happen, here's what will happen, here's, um, and she did it in a very, um, I say did it in a, a very endearing way. She actually mm-hmm. started tearing up as she was telling us, okay. um, which was almost reassuring. Not not that we were you know that what, what the outcome was going to be, but that like man, these people care about what's going on and what's happening here. Um, and so, kind of gave us all the information. And so we're and uh, yeah, man, you know, my mom made it down. Uh, Jen's family was in there, and which was a little bit overwhelming, but you know they were all in there, and uh, I didn't leave that room except to you know go get my wife some coffee if she wanted to or maybe it was water on her she could have coffee at that time um and that was it and that was just right down the hallway um i know like some family members like yeah let's go take a walk or hey will you get my jacket out of the car and he said i was like i can't be rude but i i can't leave and that really comes to my grandpa who he never left my never seen leave my grandma's side when she was in any kind of surgery or hospital and they're you know they're 90 years old or just about 90 now so they've had a lot of hospital visits and so I just kind of took that I respect him a lot and I was like no there's there's no way I'm leaving my wife you know for this deal this is not going to happen uh, especially since we knew the baby could come at any time yeah. uh, so so yeah I was trying not to be rude to family members but like nah, I'm, I'm, I can't you know appreciate it but I'm staying right here 
Um, and then we had some uh, had some other family or friends that had brought us like other supplies and things that we kind of needed in the room. Uh, so that first night, we ended up, Jen ended up laying in labor, labor and delivery for four days. And I know she was, wow. um, yeah, so when we got in there, she was uh, 24 and change. And then 25 was when Evie was born, uh, right at 25 weeks. But, and I remember they telling us, you know, at that, at that age or at that gestation, you know, every hour is, you know, there's that much more chance of survival. There's that much more this, that, and the other. And, uh uh, and then when, I know the steroid that they give her to help the baby's lungs, you know, you could take every so many hours. And we didn't know that it was basically two doses and that was all they could give. So we were like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the longer you keep her in, the more we'll just keep pumping <laughs> yeah. that stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, the labor and delivery nurses, no, that doesn't work that way. Um, so that so that first night we uh, uh, were laying there and I'm just being me. I'm like, all right, I gotta, you know, I've got to figure this out. And so I'm. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm like telling Jen, there's all these preemie clothes. I was like, this is awesome. I was like, I'm going to learn how to knit. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to knit her little preemie hats and preemie sweaters. You know, until I watched a YouTube video on how to knit. And I was like, oh, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. That's a little more difficult than I thought. Uh, and then we, uh, and then I started looking up, you know, kind of just Googling supports or whatever. And uh, I, I don't remember, but I'm almost positive I came across the handhold website. Mm. Uh, that night just I just vaguely remember the outline of it and what the yeah. website looks yeah and so I was reading Jen some stuff off of it and uh, uh, we were talking the family was gone at this point and I don't you know there's no telling how late we were up uh, uh, that night just kind of talking and chatting because she was wired I was wired and uh, you know and we we're just constantly listening that that heartbeat was just going and going and going and going um, so that went on for I guess four days um, or yeah, about three and a half days. It's kind of how we were, how we were going, talking family would come in. The Masters um, had started, so we were watching the Masters. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're big, big golf family, uh, and just you know anything we could to keep our minds off of it. And uh, and then, I guess the fourth, yeah, that fourth day, uh, we just we just said we were going to stay, stay the whole time, or stay until you know uh, until forty weeks. And uh, I remember one of the nurses we had the first night. Jen said, oh, "I'll be here when you get back." She's like, "I got two days off. You won't, you won't see me." And sure enough, she, and she's like, "I cannot believe you're still here." Uh, and my wife, being the amazing, just outgoing woman she is and socialite, um, you know, she she was asking. I was laying there about half asleep, hearing her talk to all the nurses come in, asking me, "You know, are you are you dating anybody? Are you married?" <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden now, she, you know, they're like talking boyfriend advice. Mm-hmm. And, and all this stuff, so it was pretty, um, uh, pretty awesome there. Yeah. Um, so then the morning of, we uh, uh, we get up, and obviously we didn't know it was going to happen. Or so I mean, back up just a little bit. The night before, um, Jen started uh, placental abruption, and we didn't we didn't know what that was at the time. Um, and that was of the the before delivery. That was probably the hardest part to watch Jen. Uh, be in so much pain, you know, to have an epidural in and be in just, I mean, excruciating pain with the placenta pulling away uh, and me not really knowing what it is. And I mean, literally nothing I could do. I mean, that was, wow. yeah, you talk about helpless. That was, that was the most helpless I think I've ever felt. And that's really what's happening in there mm-hmm. is, wow. Yeah. And yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, that was tough. Um, and then the next, and they lost the heartbeat a couple of times that night. Uh, twice it was pretty scary because couldn't find it and then they found it and it's like oh my gosh you know it, yeah so that, that that last night was pretty much a roller coaster um 
and then the next morning so we get up and things are a little bit better you know in the morning and uh so i go to take a shower and the with the you know bathroom whatever in the room so i'm taking a shower getting ready and i'm coming out and i got about almost a little more half my shave faced and or face shaved and uh, all of a sudden i hear somebody so i was kind of put my head out see who it is uh and it was one of the nurses and she said she goes we're uh, she goes well today's the day we're today we're we're gonna take the baby by c-section here in about 15 minutes or something some of that nature and i'm like Huh? So I go in and just, I don't know, about two swipes of the shave, throw my clothes as fast as I could, and uh, we go out and wheel her down, and uh, uh, yeah, we're sitting in, or finally, you know, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm all scrubbed up and, and uh, wash my hands, all that good stuff, and then, uh, so I walk in and Jen's in the, or I guess about to, you know, cut her open, go C-section and do everything. And uh, so they got the little curtain up so I can't see. And uh, so I'm holding Jen's hand, we're talking, and we hadn't actually chosen a name yet. So we had thrown around some boy names, some girl names that we liked. And uh, we decided if it was a boy, we were going to go my family, because we wanted a family name. And if it was a girl, we were going to go her family. And so uh, uh, Dr. Mingi, Mingi was the one that delivered her. And, uh, you know, so they're going through everything, and uh, she comes up and she goes, Well, do we have a name? And, uh, <laughs> Jen and I were like, uh, uh, and I was like, well, I said, we said Evie, Evie it is, Evie. And so that was, that was, I mean, it was kind of a split second decision <laughs> that we do not regret. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I guess right before that, they, they pulled Evie out and they, they told us sometimes they may or may not make a sound. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, the doctor literally, Jen doesn't remember this part at all. I probably the neonatologist, I don't know who it was at that time, uh, you know, had Evie in, in both arms and uh, basically does the little swoop, hey, here's your baby, and then over on to intubation. And uh, I remember when they were trying to intubate her, we didn't know, looking back in all of her paperwork, it took, was it the fifth time they tried or something? It was it was quite a while before, yeah. And obviously you don't know any of that's going on. But during that time, she made a little bitty peep. And, I mean, that little peep was like, I don't know, it just kind of, I don't know about my wife, but for me it was just like, oh, okay, okay. She's she gonna be okay, and I didn't know that they still were gonna try to innovate her about two or three more times. Yeah. So they take her up, take Jen, and they take me up. And uh, man, that that was when it kind of got real. Um, was when I went up and to see her, and first it looked like the big Ziploc bag, and mm. they're you know getting ready to put um, I guess the pick line in, all those types of things. Um, and uh, so I'm I'm up there, and I'm just like. I just I just had this blank stare on my face just watching them I'm in all one and two I'm like uh, like how what, what you know I got all these questions I just you know it's surreal I don't even know what the word would be to describe it and uh, so they go to wear and so they do the way and they're like dad look and they're like where's your phone and I'm like my, you know I've got a fumble like I'm supposed to have my phone out is that legal can I do it and I'm like oh it's, uh, here so I find my phone and snap the picture so she came in at 113 1 pound 13 ounces um, and she was uh, 13 inches long and uh, she uh, so they did all the stuff and uh, I, I don't know I, I you know some people describe everybody has their different description of what their little preemie uh, looks like and I just I remember she was really red and I I don't know. I kind of, I kind of blocked out what she actually looked like at that moment because I really saw a baby, small yeah. baby, but baby. And uh, so we're all done. They're gonna do some other stuff to prep her. So I go down, um, 
go down and get Jen, and obviously Jen's pretty out of it, and uh, and so yeah, that that was just kind of the whirlwind. So then I go back up to see her. Um, Jen was still, I guess, in recovery, uh, or she may have been been to her postpartum room uh, at this point, but still pretty out of it. So I go to see the baby, and you know I'm looking at her, and she's in this box, and I'm just like, oh man, it's like that is crazy that's cool like I, you know all these different emotions like you don't know really what to think but your baby's in there breathing or well the machine's breathing for her but um just a, an awesome deal and then all of a sudden madison a nurse who we're friends with to this day comes over and says well it's time to change your diaper <laughs> huh <laughs> like, what? no okay it's like i'll watch you do that she said, no you're gonna do it uh, i don't know about that and so that was actually one of the uh uh, videos that we took. You know, so we take a lot of videos in there, but we took a few, and that was one of the videos we took, and I'm so glad we did. And that was me changing her diaper, and that was, uh, I, I, I mean, I just touching her, I felt like I was gonna break her. I mean, just the, oh, how fragile it was. That was crazy. And uh, I remember my hands went in. I kind of touched. I backed out a couple of times, and, um, but yeah, I ended up changing her diaper, and uh, and that was it, was it was a pretty cool feeling, and. So then, uh, the next day was, I mean, it was two, I guess I think it was born on Monday, next day was Tuesday. And so I do, I guess what dads do that are suppressing everything, I go back to work. Nice. And yeah, and so um, Jen's still in, you know, in postpartum, a lot, a lot of our families in town, and, and my reasoning was, well, I, you know, we don't know what's gonna happen, I don't know if I'm gonna need to take these days off here, these days off there, yeah. like, so I better save the days, at least that's what I told myself. Um, and so Jen, I joke about it now, she's like, you know, you left me the day after our daughter was born, and, <laughs> and then the NICU. And uh, so yeah, so I, I go back to work, coach him, um, and this was in the spring, and so we were, uh, you know, we'd have, have our lifting or athletic period, and unfortunately I didn't work too far away from, I worked in a, a North Austin high school. And uh, so fairly close, and uh, it was actually that spring, uh, my offensive coordinator um, really, really appreciate what he did for me. He ran the athletic period almost that whole spring for me to uh, leave a little early mm -hmm. uh, or get out of there to go go spend some time with Evie. Uh, so really appreciated that from him because I was pretty absent, absent. And I, oddly enough, I just got the head coaching job that fall before. Oh, wow. So yeah, so that was that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, she was in there 130 days and, uh, man, we were, uh, I think I know for a fact I missed two days, um, two days of seeing her out of that 130. Uh, one, uh, I had poison ivy so bad that I couldn't, it just wouldn't let me yeah. in the first day. Yeah. And then the second was I was going to go late and, uh, Austin flooded as it does when it rains really hard. Yeah. So, man, my wife, I don't think missed, uh, actually she, she did, but that was for um, for a friend that she had to go kind of console in Dallas that had a um, had a bereavement, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, during that time. Um, so so during that 130 days, we uh, like I said we were there pretty much. Jen was there all during the day. Uh, Jen ended up losing her job during uh, during the first couple of weeks of her NICU stay, and uh, yeah, so that was that was fun. Uh, and so we, uh, uh, you know, w we didn't know, you know, medical insurance, all this stuff, how that was all going to happen because she was going to go on hers and this. So we started paying for Cobra. And so now we had a job loss plus paying this exorbitant amount yeah. for insurance. 
Um, so all of those things. So we had a lot of stuff we were kind of figure out there. Uh, we just bought this new house, and we hadn't even moved in yet. We're, you know, we were still in that remodeling phase. Uh, so we paid some people to move us, and, I mean, we just literally had boxes everywhere. And when we packed up, um, different people were coming to help us pack. So there was, there was to me, who was a very organized person, there was no organization to packing. Things were just <laughs> thrown in boxes. Everywhere. And so... Uh, so we're kind of going through this. So we're unpacking. We're, you know, people, uh, family members are just hanging things in our house to make it look like a house. And, you know, me being me, I'm like, well, that's, that's not how I would do it. But I'm not saying anything because <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, but uh, um, then we, uh, so we get moved in and uh, we're still, you know, still NICU in it. Um, pretty much, you know, living there. And I know some of our friends made the comment, you know, basically we're just ships passing in the night because mm-hmm. Jen would go during the day. Um, and then I would, uh, as soon as I got out of school, I would go, we would eat dinner in the cafeteria. We ate in St. David's cafeteria pretty much every night. I ate, ate there quite a bit. I, I thought it was good. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then I would stay till, you know, whatever time I, I'd end up, you know, falling asleep and having to go home. And then, uh, some mornings I would go back in before shift change, uh, which I think was 6.30 or 7.30. I think shift change was 7.30, so I usually go before shift change and then go on to school. But, uh, but yeah, that was that's how we for 130 days. That was that was how we did it. Um, I think for me during that time, you know, working on the house and because there was a lot of times I would like during the day I would have some opportunity to go up there with Jim. I was like, no, I gotta get this done. I gotta get this done. Um, and so I wouldn't go during the day because I was always went at night. And I remember uh, or now talking to Jen, um, you know, for me it was like. If I got the, I guess what was going to be the nursery, if I got all that fixed, if I got everything, all the remodeling done in the house, because a lot of stuff myself, if I got all that stuff done, then she had to come home, mm-hmm. you know, like there was, there was no choice. And so that was kind of my, uh, my piece was to go work and do and, and get those things done. And, uh, um, you know, that's, I guess, really what kept me sane during, during the whole deal. And for Jen, it was being up there with her. Yeah, and that was uh, that was kind of our two two little ways of going about it. Uh, but during 130 days, you know, we had, I mean, we you know we you know pictures and you know did the Father's Day, the Mother's Day, um, July 4th, um, her uh, uh, grandma's birthday. I mean, you know, all all those things. We uh, you know we we didn't uh, we didn't have to do the Christmas or any of that. I mean, I've heard you know heard of families and oh, yeah. the heart goes out to them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was. It was there's a lot that happened in those in those days yeah well in those <clears throat> so 130 days in the NICU um, you know there's commonalities we all have a different story but there's commonalities that we all share and a NICU stay you're gonna have good days and you're gonna have bad days mm-hmm. um, you're gonna have days that you take two steps forward and then you're gonna have days where you take three steps back um did you guys experience that and if you did i mean what was that like yeah uh a lot uh you know and one thing i say i tell them i don't know if you care if you're one day in the NICU you're 500 days in the NICU it's it's scary mm-hmm. and uh, we just happened to be you know at 130 where we were uh, we did we had uh, you know, the honeymoon phase, like everybody talks about, you know, she's doing good, she's doing good, maybe get off the vent, and then you have the days where you go in there and they bag her three times. And, uh, you know, the joke with Evie was kind of like, 
we would have you know, different family members come over, and it seemed like every time a new family member would come into town or something to see her, she would, you know, have her Brady and have to be either bagged or whatever. And so the joke was, it's not a day in the NICU if Evie doesn't scare the living dog out of somebody. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we had several setbacks. I got to the point where I told Jen, I said, Hey, I said, if you're going to call me on my cell phone, I said, will you please just send me a text and just say, hey, I'm about to call you. Cause I like every time the phone rang, it was just, that's the phone call. That's the phone call. Mm-hmm. That's the phone call. And, uh, so yeah, I had her, uh, I was like, you, you just got to text me. You can't just call me. And, you know, and then we got a couple calls. Um, obviously we, we befriended the nurse. Evie had, um, four primary nurses, five primary nurses. They told her she couldn't have any more primaries. <laughs> Um, so, uh, and it's probably because we have, we just, we wouldn't shut up. We wouldn't stop talking to the nurses. Uh, we were like, Hey, okay, you're, you're going to talk to us. You're going to be our counselor. You're going to be our coach. You're going to be our yeah, that's your <laughs> yeah. family. Oh man. I'm telling you, <laughs> telling you, and still really good friends with some of them to this, uh, to this day. But, uh, but yeah, you know, we had those setbacks and you know, it was, uh, I mean, we just kind of rolled with it. You know, how you dealt with it is it happened. And when the outcome was a positive one um you just and positive i mean just she was still alive uh, mm-hmm. you know you were just thankful and you went on and uh, when the positive when it was positive but not as positive like you know vaccine time um and then she got she got a coli once she got pneumonia once so back to vent back to vent wow yeah so you, know, you get those big you know you're almost uh you know high flow cannula and you're like all right we've gone through this progression cpap you know cannulas all this stuff and then all of a sudden it's like boom back to innovation and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was tough, but it just really got to be, um, I don't want to say routine. I was about to ask you, do you get used to that? I mean, when 130 days, I mean, that's a grind mm-hmm. and that's an incredible grind. Um, so having that, let's say if you had a, a situation happen at a hundred days, were you handling that the same way you handled that at 30 days? <laughs> For the most part, especially once we had to say about that, you know, 30, mm-hmm. whatever that day was, where it's like, okay, we're kind of settled in. Yeah. This is what we're doing. And, um, you know, I guess the, the terminology that we use in the NICU is this is our new normal. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how we had to approach everything. Well, okay, if she's on the vent today, then this is our new normal for today. Where do we go from here? Um, you know, if this beeps today, that didn't beep yesterday, this is our new normal. And, you know, feeds, have issues with feeds. And she did. She actually got, I can't remember exactly, my wife would know the exact day. Um she got uh, the pneumonia uh, the second time right before we got it. We were supposed to get out right around the due date. You know, because everybody puts that due date as the, as the target. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I was, okay, well, you know, it might, it might not. And my wife had kind of got her mind set on, on that due date or, or right around that due date. And, uh, and that was when she got, uh, got pneumonia again. And uh, so we stayed an extra, I don't know, however many days till she got well and really right after she got well after that like she's got to go home like she's just gonna stay here and just keep getting sick it's time to go home mm-hmm. and she was well she's a fat baby at that time i think she, i can't remember what she came home at but she was she, she's a good looking baby oh, when she came nice. yeah they do a good job <laughs> of fatting them up in there um but yeah that one that one was was kind of tough um and i remember uh, one of the nurse practitioners i think it was crystal um telling my wife because uh, like i said jen's you know if it's a public situation or whatever she's she can be business whenever she needs to be business and keep that guard up and those things and i remember her telling uh telling my wife it's like you can be pissed you can cry you can well, my wife did cry but you can you know you you can yell at us you can you yeah. know these things are okay and uh, i think that went a long way for my wife to to really say okay you know this is this is where we are 
you know, it's okay to be angry. And then, yeah, and then we were good. That's nice. All right, so you guys did 130 days in the NICU. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I guess we always want to tell new NICU dads, um, all of us other NICU dads that have been in it know this, uh, but things don't stop in the NICU. Hmm. Um, your NICU stays, your NICU stay. But the journey continues once you get home. Uh, you have medical issues, uh, different things like that that you have to deal with. Doctor's appointments on doctor's appointments on doctor's appointments. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't end. Uh, you guys, I know, have dealt with a lot outside of the NICU or after the NICU. Uh, what are some of those things, and what all have you experienced on that? Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh we had Evie, you know, we had all, all set up all of our therapies before we got out. Uh, Evie came home on oxygen, came home with a bradycardia monitor, um, and, uh, you know, had our OT, let's see, OT, PT, speech. I think we had all of them. We had, we've, we've had a, had a bunch of them, so can't remember all exactly which ones we started out with. Uh, Jen and I both work full-time. At that, Jen had actually got a job um, working for Hand to Hold, um, to help, uh, you know, that provides all the supports for preemies yeah. and whatnot, psychosocial supports and bedside supports. And uh, through that, they all started kind of part-time. And so it gave her, you know, something more she could be at the NICU and, and work on. And so, you know, we were, I was working full-time. She was doing that, starting a new job and, you know, juggling all of Evie's therapies and this kind of stuff. And only one of our relatives lives close. Uh, so that that piece was tough. But uh, uh, but I tell you that, that early intervention was was instrumental. You know, and I think that uh, that really helped her to uh, hit the milestones that she hit when she hit them. You know, obviously not when, you know, your term babies will hit them, but be able to to still get to those milestones. And uh, so I remember she came home on oxygen. And this is a little funny story. Uh, You know, she was on it for I forget how many months afterwards. You know, we'd be in the stroller out meeting our new neighbors because nobody had seen us for the last (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, there was some construction in this house, and then nobody's there. Mm-hmm. And so we're out and meeting neighbors, and, oh, they want to see the baby. And we're like, well, you know, we don't. We got our little stop sign up, <laughs> you don't touch. And all of a sudden, Evie starts beeping because we had to take our monitor and our oxygen tank with us. And, yeah, so our, we didn't meet a lot of neighbors real on early. They're like, okay, well, nice to meet you. Bye. Yeah. Um, but uh, now they're all great now. Um, and so uh, so, she's, so she was on the oxygen, and I remember one night, uh, or we went to the, the pulmonologist, and uh, basically they told us we were kind of at that point where, okay, we can start weaning her down. So we were kind of weaning her. And uh, just as parents, we just we just couldn't cut the cord and say, okay, no more oxygen. Just you yeah. know, it wasn't, wasn't going to happen from the road we had traveled. And so one night we're laying in bed and Evie slept in a little, uh, I forget what you call it, halo deal or whatever in, mm-hmm. our, in our room. And I remember the, uh, the monitor went off, the low oxygen. And, and so I kind of wake up and I look at it and it's just you know right it's like right at the 91 or whatever it's like okay okay we're okay she's probably just like kind of reach down and reposition her a little bit and go back to sleep well it keeps going off keeps going off so i get up i look jen's like it's not going off i was 70 68 so you know just keeps i'm like what the heck so i jump up well she had got the cord wrapped around her neck and i run over grab the cords and they're pretty strong cords i don't know how but i ripped got the cords off broke one of them got them off her neck and i've tried this day i still can't break that daggum thing and uh so i looked at jen and i said well i guess we're off oxygen now (laughs) so 
So that was how she got off oxygen. Um, so then rolling through, we've had, uh, you know, she's four years old now, just celebrated her fourth birthday, and she's a, she's a wonderful little girl. But, uh, yeah, we've had, uh, we're, we're still in OT. We're uh, uh, right now in uh, it's PPCD, the preschool program for children with disabilities. Mm-hmm. She got her autism diagnosis this summer um, along with the AD, uh, ADD, ADHD. Um, so she, uh, yeah, still having some interventions, still having some therapies that are going on. Um, but she's, uh, yeah, she's bright, smart, absolutely wonderful. Um, she's, uh, I guess the, the high functioning autism, which, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, is a blessing in, in one way yeah. and also kind of a curse in the other, because you hear all the time, your, your child's not autistic, yeah. your child's yeah. this, that kind of thing. And I'm like, let's just hang out a little longer. Just wait. <laughs> uh, but no, but she, yeah, she's doing great. Yeah. Juggling all those things has been, yeah, it, it's a little tough. And my credit to my wife because being able to, to coach and do those things and, you know, Evie came home right during training camp and, uh, you know, being away from that was, that was, yeah, that was hard. So she did a good well, that, that was my next question. Oh. Um, is how do you shuffle all that? How do you shuffle those doctor's appointments, the therapies, um, all that still working, not just juggling that. I, so I guess my question is how do you juggle that? But also how do you deal with that? Because I know for us, we did the same thing, but it was really probably for a year after coming back from the NICU. Um, how do you juggle with that and the stress of dealing with your daily stuff that you have to do, your job, your home, all that, and then all these added doctor's appointments that normal, you know, delivery parents don't have to deal with? How do you juggle that? Um, well, my wife juggled most of it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, the job she had, a little part-time, that definitely fed into her being able to, to do that. Uh, in the fall, like I said, it was uh, we'd started training camp, and so you know being away from that is I won't say not an option, but almost yeah. not an option. Yeah. And so Jen and, and and her mom really did a lot of uh, of getting Evie to her appointments. Anytime I could help, anytime I could take her, like that was I was um, I was on it, taking her to any appointment I could. I take her a lot more now, yeah. uh, just because it's uh, uh, or I'm sorry, in the spring and, and the summer. Yeah. Um, and pretty much anything we could move to the summer, we would because I was like, all right, that's when Jonathan can do it, and and it was good. Um, and then yeah, through the fall, um, you know, that season, you know, Jen didn't really come to any football games, which was one of the first times <laughs> I had never seen her there. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was tough. Uh, and it was really the first first time I'd uh, I'd ever coached that, you know, because we work all weekend that on a Saturday. You know, I wasn't going to just stay up there and watch film till late at night. It was mm. okay. I've got my film in. I've got my work done now. It's time to it's time to get home and you know and go see the baby, help my wife out, and that kind of stuff. And literally, as soon as I got home, it was like high five my wife. She's out the door, and I'm on duty. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we did that really all through the NICU as well as probably the first really the first two years because we we kept Abby home for the for a full two years. Uh, you know, everybody told us don't take her out, don't take her out. Mm-hmm. And, and we took that to heart. We put the sign, you know, if you come in this house, you're not wearing shoes, and you're washing and sanitizing your hands. Um, and Jen said I was a little harsh on some people that came over, even family members. So I apologize to them if they uh, listen to this. I love hearing this because <laughs> I, I was exactly the same way. We did it for a year. And if you came into our house, you, especially with small children, um, you know, for us, our daughter was in elementary school. And so she would come home. I'm like, change your clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, every, we became the biggest germaphobes. 
and uh, it was hand sanitizer everywhere oh, in our yeah. house. <laughs> and, by, by the case on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Real, yeah. Real, real oh, yeah. You had to wash your hands and don't touch the baby. Don't touch the baby. Um, so you guys did that for two years. I mean, I know just from my experience, that puts a strain on your marriage, your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, already a Nick, you stay. Puts a strain on your marriage um, and your relationship. Not just with friends and family, but mainly with your spouse. And so that time of basically incubating after you come home, I know for myself, I mean, that was a huge strain um, because you're not going anywhere. You're not mm-hmm. taking the baby anywhere. And it's almost like you don't get to celebrate the birth like everybody else gets right. to. Uh, you basically hide. And it's just... You and your wife, you know, how did, how did you guys deal with that? And do you still deal with it now? Or, you know, what, how did, how did that go about? We, yeah, we, um, yeah, we were, we were home. We didn't take her out. Fortunately, she did not get sick or go back to the hospital or anything during those years. So we, we we stand by that decision. Um, we, uh, really, we just talked, you know, my wife and I said, we're very social people. And we, even at night, we, I mean, we, we talk every night, you know, to this day. And I think that was one of the big pieces uh, that really helped us through. Now, I'm not going to say there were plenty of fights, plenty <laughs> of, yeah, that just oh, yeah. over over those things of, you know, I mean, I remember the one was, you know, she asked me if I could take her to one of those doctor's appointments. I'm like, yeah, I can take her. Where is it? And, uh, and I, I may have been the cardiologist or, or the neurologist is one of them. It's like, it's, it's the neurologist. It's Dr. So-and-so. We've, we've been there blah, blah, blah times. I was like, wow, I've never been there. Exactly. You've never been, you know, <laughs> those, those little deals. Yeah. So I'm sure you, yeah, verbatim. Um, and, uh, and so, so, you know, so we got past those, but, uh, um, yeah, I think just, you know, talking to each other and, and really for me, it was recognizing, you know, I said, you know, so we did a lot of like tag teaming where I come home and she would go. And I think that was a big piece of both of us keeping our sanity um you know because i got to go out during the day go to my job all day you know coach do these you know this stuff and i I, you know get to work early go work out in the mornings do all those while jen was home with evie and then so when we came home you know that was when hey you're out i'm in so now she got to go walk around target for two hours you know whatever whatever it is that consoled her go work out go to spin class do all those things and uh uh, and then you know come home and and then we go to bed and uh so it was you know that i think that was an instrumental for for her from for her sanity was for me to kind of take over when she came home yeah and um you know really i mean there wasn't a lot to do you know change a diaper when she was on oxygen just make sure everything's good to go yeah yeah Uh, i remember i've I've got a workshop in my garage so she was in the one of those swing things and uh and this was after the oxygen time and so i would go i'd put her kind of right by the door where i could i could see her and so i could work and do kind of some things in the garage where i could see <laughs> her you know and she was sleeping in the little roof thing so that was uh yeah, that was that was kind of fun um but you know as a couple how we balanced because we were we were that you know we'd play go walk nine to nine holes two or three times a week go to happy hour hang out and then all of a sudden abrupt stop and uh you know for us we just man we uh we made sure that we were barbecuing out in the backyard, basically doing everything that we could at the house 
at yeah. the house together you know using using the the patio using the backyard and then if it was one of us we needed to go yeah go you know nobody ever said no no and i think that was uh that was a big piece of it yeah that sounds like some successful advice there um i've got a question for you and mm-hmm. this might be a little unexpected and we'll see how it goes but i'm gonna I want to know what your worst day was mm. in the NICU and what your best day was. Mm. Worst day in the NICU. Ah, I can tell you. Well, yeah, no, I will. It was the day that uh, my wife was out of town. One of our, one of her best friends um, had a stillbirth, and so mm. she was up to uh, basically she was in the room when she gave birth and they still was the first time Evie took a bottle and the day itself was good because I was like oh man Evie's taking a bottle and and did it and then I was so excited and uh, so that so I talked to Jen that night you know so she'd just gone through this huge emotional thing with her best friend her daughters in you know in the NICU and here's dad thinking <sighs> man life's freaking great man Evie took a bottle and Ouch. phone goes silent. Yeah. So I call her back. I say, babe, babe, I got cut off. And I mean, that was, that was, end up being probably the worst day of that nature because, you know, I was so excited. I just, yeah. I didn't realize what I'd just taken away from my wife. Yeah. You know, because I could have said, no, let's don't feed her today. We can feed her tomorrow. She'll be back tomorrow. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was tough. Hmm. And then anytime she got bagged, it was bad too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a normal bad day. <laughs> Um, what was your best day? Uh, the best day was actually Father's Day. Uh, I remember walking in, and uh, our, our primary nurses had her uh, had to be propped up and had a little card that she had made me, <laughs> in quotes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that was the first time it hit me that I was a dad. Like, I just, like, you know, I knew it was a dad, I knew, but, like, I felt like a dad when I saw that, and, uh, I was just like, man, it's like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was probably, yeah, that was probably my, my personal best day. Yeah. Nice. Well, going through this experience that you guys went through and everything that you're going through now, what would be your biggest advice to Nick, you dads right now that are just... Let's say that guy that's in for his first week or even mm-hmm. first couple of days where I would almost see like the advice might be different for a guy that's in there right now, day one, mm-hmm. as opposed to week two. But what advice would you give NICU dads that that you think would benefit them? Yeah, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is take pictures. And I know that sounds very arbitrary, and uh, but, you know, as I look back, I've, I've put all hers in different folders from her Nikki stay by month um, but take however many pictures you think you're taking take more take more take more take more um, because as we go back and look I mean I mean that is that's when the you know your baby's born and uh, and it's big time and take as many videos as you can and if you got to hide it like we did just hide it take videos um, and, and I know that's not it's not emotional advice for being in that NICU day one day two day three or day 400 but when your child's four 
like mine is now and I'm sure as she gets older it's emotional advice for then because I think it's it's important that'd be my my biggest piece of advice is take more pictures and we took a lot don't don't get me wrong but there's still um, like actually my wife and I were just talking we do not have a picture of Jen and Evie on her first Mother's Day Mm-hmm. We have pictures of me in the NICU. We have pictures of her in the NICU. We have pictures of Evie. Yeah. We don't have a picture of her. And I'm like, man, how did I miss that? Um, the other things I would say is, is, yeah, is talk to your wife. You know, I hear my wife tells me in her job now, you know, so many stories where a lot of things are left to that mother. And, uh, and the dad doesn't, you know, for whatever reason, isn't talking, isn't doing. And I think just do and talk. You know, ask her how she is and then shut your mouth because giving advice whether it's right or wrong yeah just ask her how she is ask her about this that and you know uh, i know for my wife in hindsight that we've talked about it is some of those times when i would ask her just a most random question and then she would just she would for lack of a better term she would get pissed but then you know later on she was like i really appreciate you asked me about that mm-hmm. you know and I think that's that's important just that they know you're there and you care. You know, even if what you say is wrong, connected. because it usually is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be a big thing. Do you have any advice for... I don't even like using the word former Nikki dads because I really feel like when you're in the club, you're in the club, oh, right? yeah. and we are in the club, and it is a club. Uh, nobody else really understands. You have your friends and family, but unless you've been in a NICU stay, you don't know about a NICU stay. Right. Um do you have any advice for guys that have been you know out five six years and you know anything like that and do you see and what i'm talking about or what i guess i'm trying to get to is you know the numbers now that are coming out of NICU dads suffering from ptsd uh even uh you know just the different anxiety levels that's going on and um uh, some of the other issues that even moms that we've seen moms deal with uh, now having dads go through that. Do you have any advice for Nick, you dads about that? Or do you deal with any of that yourself? I don't. My wife says I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now there's, yeah, little things that pop up, you know, every once in a while that, you know, yeah, uh, you know, I'll, any videos. Like I got to my wife, you're not allowed to show me any video or anything after eight o'clock because I'm about to go to bed and I don't, mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I see a little video or something like that. Yeah, my heart goes out. I still cry. Um, you know, I tell my wife, I'm just, I'm just an emotional person. I'm feeling, and she's not. It's actually probably more like PTSD. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, down the road, I, I think for me, um, the biggest thing is is to talk about it. Is to you know share. You know, like I told you before we started, I, I don't think I've ever shared the full story beginning to end with anybody, but I've shared every single snippet multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, I mean, just a random NICU dad, because like you said, once you're in the club, you're in the club. And mm-hmm. just like, you know, the, the joke about with the moms, you know, if you're in a store and you hear somebody mention something about, you know, boom, you go talk to them immediately, your friends. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that's important. Just, you know, if you can offer advice or you can help somebody else in any kind of way, do it. You know, because for me, telling that story and talking to people is kind of that self-therapy and, you know, lets me relive like, man, that was that was tough. You know, even I've kind of blocked this here and there, but I did go through that. That was tough. Um, and I think that's that's probably an important piece, you know, for being out. And then, you know, my wife and I, I would say, I would say we talk something about NICU related, preemie related, um, 
if he's disability related, something of that nature every single day. You know, and we've had family members like, you guys got to let this go. You guys got to let this go. And I'm like, well, I mean, not really going to happen. But yeah, uh, this is life now. Yeah, like this is <laughs> this is where we are. You yeah. know, this is who we are. And oh, you get the don't let this define you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I disagree. I'm like, this does define you. This is yeah. this is who I am now. You know, I went through this experience. Now I'm going to use this experience to define me and you know make me better for whatever purpose, for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, it's insane. You know, for us with our NICU stay, I, it blows my mind that I say this, but it changed our lives. Oh, no you question. Know, it, no question. It, uh, and for us, I, I say it's like one of the best things that ever happened to us, but, and that's crazy talk. I don't know. Um, I, no, I, I <laughs> yeah, with that statement, I, I completely agree. You know, you know for, it, uh, I would say for my wife and I, it made us a much stronger couple. Yeah. You know, we've, we've been together just shy of 20 years, I guess just shy of 19 years. Uh, be married 10 this summer and you know we thought I mean, we were pretty solid and you know I think that solid we had going into it definitely helped us make it through it because I know the statistics on you know NICU stays and, yeah. and, and divorce and all those types of things but I think coming in since we did make it out I mean we are stronger and that life changing for us was the petty things that we did used to actually kind of fight about and bother us <laughs> man that those don't even those don't even come on the radar anymore. Yeah. Like you know, you might say one thing, and then both of you are like, uh-huh. you're like that's that's not even a deal. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if it's fair to say, but I think NICU parents might love their babies a little more. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> non NICU oh, parents. Yeah. I mean, we tend to hold them a little longer and kiss on them a little more. I try to. Mine doesn't like to be held. <laughs> try really hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, she'll grow. I'll grow that. But um, Jonathan, I want to thank you uh, for coming out and sharing your story, yours and Jen's and Evie's story. And we want to wish you guys the best. And hopefully, uh, you know, everything keeps going your way. And uh, we just really want to thank you for being here. And hopefully uh, your story helps uh, another NICU dad uh, that's going through the same thing because they are. and uh, we just want to thank you for coming out, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. It was All awesome. Right. <laughs> if you are a NICU dad in need of support or want to become a mentor, please visit our website at handtohold.org. There you will find information about Hand to Hold's national peer-to-peer support program, professional and educational resources, milestone bead program, support group curriculum, and much more. You are not alone. For more information, or to speak to a hand to hold staff member, contact us at info at handtohold.org.